0: Welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. I'm Christy Brower and this is a very special true crime pop-up. As you know, we like to come to you a couple of times over the weekend for a quick pop-up to say hello and share something we've been looking into or researching or been thinking about. And that's why I'm here. Now you may notice I look a little tanner than I have spent a lot of time outside in the last week or so, including two days at a softball tournament this weekend. So I am looking sort of red, but not really, mostly just nicely tanned, which was nice to be outside. It's felt really good to be outside and in the sun. So I am very ready for some more of that. But first, I would like to share with you the story of Robin Lee Rowe. Robin Lee Rowe is the only woman on death row in Idaho. Hey, Cami, thanks for joining. This is a live stream on Facebook and YouTube. So if you're available, jump into the chat. If you're listening to this after the fact, feel free to come comment on the video if you can. Or if you're listening in the podcast world, welcome. I am glad to have all of you here. Hey, Angie. So, Robin Lee Rowe. Hello, Christy. Hello, Carly. So nice to have you all here. So, Robin Lee Rowe is an interesting case. The sheriff said, the sheriff um, in Ada County, which is Boise, where she was arrested and tried, said that she is one of the worst sociopaths he has ever worked with interesting because you just don't hear that about women very often, do you? So let me tell you what happened. This was on February 10th of 1992. So this was a while back. So a fire started started on the first floor of an apartment where Robin Rose's estranged husband and two children were living. So her husband Randy And her stepchildren, Joshua and Tabitha, were living there. She and Randy were separated. So she was staying with her friend, Joan McHugh. And they were kind of looking at getting a divorce. Robin had made some accusations that Randy had kidnapped, raped, and physically abused her. Which unfortunately had not ever happened. There was no proof of any of that. No police reports, no medical reports, nothing to indicate that that had actually happened. Here's a weird part uh, that you might start to question. So on the night of the fire, Roe wakes up Joan McHugh at about three o'clock in the morning. And she says that she has a terrible feeling that there's something wrong at the house where her husband and children are. And so Joan gets her in the car and drives her over there to make sure that everything is okay. And when they get there, there's emergency lights and vehicles and fire department and everybody all over the place. And at that point, she says to Joan, well, I, uh, it must be a fire. That she was guessing, guessing that it was a fire. So there were actually two fires. They had both been started on the first floor of this apartment. And there had been um, some kind of igniting liquid used. So also the switch uh, to the smoke alarm had been flipped. So like the breaker had been flipped so that it would not come on to wake anyone up in the house. And the furnace fan was on. On continuous, if any of you have a furnace like that, you know that if you turn it on continuous, then it just runs air the whole time. Well, can you imagine what a furnace fan would do on continuous to a fire? Yeah, feed it. That's what. Hey, Natasha, Patsy, Maureen, welcome. We are talking about Robin Lee Rowe, who is on the only woman on death row in the state of Idaho. So, Of course, it is suspected that Robin did all of these things. That she started a fire in a garage next to the house, you know, attached to the house. Also, they found some clothes that had been lit on fire on the first floor of the house. The circuit breaker turned off to the smoke alarm and the furnace fan turned on, continuous. So this is all... You know, looking kind of questionable, especially because Robin has her friend Joan, who she's staying with, take her over to the house at about three o'clock in the morning because she has a bad feeling. And of course, what did they find? The apartment is on fire. Unfortunately, uh, her husband, Randy Rowe, and her stepchildren, Joshua and Tabitha, who were 10 and 8, All died from carbon monoxide poisoning they all uh, didn't appear to wake up from the fire at all so police immediately find her to be suspicious which kind of hard not to considering some of the things that she said and did obviously so they um, you know they look at her immediately And so they go and they look, they search her car. And they search Joan McHugh's house because that's where she's staying. And one of the things they find are six copies of life insurance policies. So she's taken out two policies on each member of her family. It all came to about $276,000. Now, remember, this is in 1992. So that was a quarter of a million dollars. And that was a lot of money at that time. She, of course, was the full benefactor in all of those policies, and the most recent policy had only been purchased about 17 days before the fire. So, yeah. Get this, though. Okay, so they're still s- suspecting her of the fire, but they don't have any actual proof that she did it, but they certainly think she did, especially after the uh, um life insurance policies but they find evidence that she has been embezzling money from her job get this she's doing the bingo games at the ymca so because they don't have anything to hold her on as far as the fires are concerned they arrest her and charge her with grand theft on the bingo embezzling crazy right Hey, Fisher Girl, welcome, welcome. So she's embezzling from bingo along with some of this other stuff. They start to look into her also. And they discover that she has lost two children of her own. Remember, the children who died are her stepchildren. But her, she had a daughter die in 1977 from sudden infant death syndrome. Now that baby was 15 months old. And so when the medical examiner looked into it, they were kind of like, yeah, that's kind of old for SIDS. We're not so sure that that might have been, you know, a a murder. And then her son Keith, get this, in 1980, died in an accidental house fire. Things are starting to look scary. It's starting to look as though people who are no longer of use to Robin get disappeared, right? They get killed. So there's lots of questions about that. Unfortunately, they're they're never able to actually charge her on the deaths of her two children. It's just too long. There's not enough evidence, but they really do believe that she killed them as well. You know, she's telling her friend, Joan, you know, that there's this, you know, potential abuse happening in her relationship, but there's no evidence of that there's nothing no reports to police or child services or medical reports nothing they also find out that our dear Robin here is having a sexual relationship with Joan McHugh's oldest son so she's getting a divorce she's cheating on her husband and then conveniently their apartment burns down and kills him and his children Not looking good, is it? Erin says she's impatient. 17 days is a little too fresh. Exactly, right? Not exactly the mastermind criminal here. Um, So they really, the the police really think it is her, but they've got to get something a little bit better as far as evidence because they just are not finding anything. So they convince Joan McHugh to record any phone calls that she gets from Robin because she's now sitting in jail on the grand theft um, charges for embezzling money from bingo. And and Joan uh, agrees to it. So they ask Joan to tell her that she went downstairs in the middle of the night and discovered that Robin wasn't at home. So, initially, her alibi was that she was, um, you know, just asleep at home in the same house as Joan. So, Joan tells her, hey, by the way, I went downstairs and you were not there. And uh, then Robin says that she was outside in her car, but she was out there with her psychiatrist talking till about 4.30 in the morning. Now, that doesn't make any sense because about three o'clock in the morning is when she woke up Joan and said she was having this terrible feeling that something bad was happening and they needed to go check on her family. And so Joan says, well, you probably better tell the police that because, you know, we need to make sure that they know where you were. So now the police know that she's lying because she's telling multiple stories and I'm sure they went further. I'm sure they checked with the, it doesn't, I haven't found anything in my research that says that they actually spoke to her psychiatrist, but I bet they did. And, you know, found out that that in fact was not true. So on March 23rd of 1992, she was arrested for three counts of murder and you know, that alibi just never came up. She just, it was only just a lie to her friend. Like just, that was the problem with Robin is that she just couldn't tell the truth to anybody along with she was incredibly selfish. So her trial did not take very long. Um, in On December 16th of 1993, she was found guilty of premeditated murder and she was sentenced to death you guys and i don't know i don't know how your states are but sentencing a woman to death in the state of idaho not a common thing at all during her sentencing the judge called her a pathological liar and said robin Rowe's actions represent the final betrayal of motherhood and embody the ultimate affront to civilized notions of maternal instinct. He also said, maternal prolicide, the killing of one's own children, is the embodiment of the cold-blooded pitiless slayer, descent into the blackened heart of darkness. That judge was pretty poetic. So she is actually still sitting on death row, in idaho right now as we speak she has filed a bunch of different um uh appeals none of which have been very effective uh she certainly has tried to say you know that they were unfair to her she didn't get a fair trial or her attorneys didn't do a good job but a very interesting one that came up is that her that she had what's called brain atrophy so there was this big argument that went on legally about this and that this came from her long-term sexual abuse and mentally ill family members and her medical history and evidence of mental illness including some suicide attempts now i will tell you that um Diminished capacity, her mental health didn't really come into the trial at all. This is coming up after the fact that she has this brain atrophy. Well, this is really weird because they, her attorneys came back and said to the judge, we need to have a CT scan or or they had a CT scan, but they needed to bring in a specialist to look more at her brain. And the judge said, well, she's got a public defender. Why don't you just use the public defender pool of money to pay for that to, you know, decide if this has anything to do with it or not? She's never none of her appeals have ever gotten her anywhere. But this is the latest one that she has tried to say that she has brain atrophy. And that's why And brain atrophy. I mean, that's not exactly a a physical or like. Medical term necessarily, um, but it could indicate she has some mental illness or dementia or other problems. This was interesting because her attorneys were asking the court for money to hire an expert to evaluate her. And the judge, and they also wanted some extra time uh, before filing this appeal so that they could get all this information together and the judge said you don't get any extra time and we're not giving you any extra money either because you she's a she has a public defender why don't you just take it out of the public defender's budget and they just never did it it was just very strange like i don't know if this was just a tactic or if they knew it wasn't going to come together well i don't know this, this last stuff just happened. This was reported on on February 3rd of 2021. So I'm going to keep an eye on it. But so far, they have not come back with any kind of evaluation of her. Now, the hard part now is maybe she does have something now, but this is 2021, and she committed those crimes in 1992. A lot of things can happen to your brain between then and now. I think, you know, basically at this point, they're just trying to keep her from being executed. As far as I can tell, there is no date yet for execution. Like, she has not exhausted her appeals. So this is a part of that, I think, to just keep her from going to death row. But I do find it rather interesting, uh, just this argument over who's going to pay for it. I mean, she's obviously incarcerated, so the state has to pay for it. Nobody else can. But the judge said, I don't need to give you any extra money or time. You already have that within your purview. So I don't know exactly what's going to happen with that. However, I don't think that Robin Lee is ever getting out of the Pocatello Women's Correctional Prison, which is really interesting. That's only about 50 miles from where I live is where she's incarcerated. And, you know, I don't know, maybe. Yeah, she's got heart atrophy, too. Yeah. Yeah, so cold, so cold, you know, such a sociopath, clearly no empathy for any other person. If someone just doesn't fit into her life or she doesn't need them anymore, then, you know, she just kills them so that they're out of her way, which, you know, we've seen many other sociopaths do the same thing. Uh, but very, a very kind of interesting case. You don't see women on death row very often. I'm going to keep an eye on these latest filings and see what happens. If this will keep her um, from being executed. I don't know. It's, it's such a game at this point. It's all such a game. You know, they file things like prosecutorial misconduct from 20 years ago. You know, it's tough to prove. Lots of it is tough to prove. They also said, you know, her... Um, her legal representation was inadequate at the time. And You know, that's the kind of standard stuff that gets filed in these appeals. So I'm going to keep an eye on it, and I will give you an update if I see anything else come up. But I thought I would let you know about this case because it's rather interesting. We don't see women committing these kinds of crimes very often. So... You know, whether you are for or against the death penalty, we've talked about this a lot on here. You know, this is a person that obviously should never, ever see the light of day as far as society is concerned because people are completely disposable. Probably Joan McHugh was pretty um, lucky that uh, Robin was arrested when she was because Joan McHugh might have been next, you know. She was kind of taking advantage of that situation and when she was done with them and Joan McHugh's son, who knows, they might have been next on her list. This has been a true crime paranormal pop-up. Thank you so much for joining me. We will be back on Monday with a brand new case and with all of our other weekly episodes. Thank you so much for listening, for watching our videos. Please remember to like, subscribe, and follow. It helps us so much on every platform to get seen more. Uh, if you are, if you love what we do, feel free to share as well. If you would like to send us a case, you can do that by going to truecrimeparanormalpodcast.com and send us a case and we will add you to our list and we will eventually get to all of those cases, but it will take us a while. Well, this has been True Crime Paranormal. I'm Christy Brower. Thanks for being here.